Now, who here this morning studied slavery when they were at school or perhaps some point during their life? Little bit, little bit. Well, I didn't. I was never taught slavery at school. I was always taught it was more important to learn about Henry VIII and his many wives <laughs> rather than an important turning point in British, in fact, in world history. Now, I had to do a bit of research on this. I read some books. I had to look on Google. But apparently, up until the Abolition Act was brought in 1833, I think it was, owning a slave was a part of British culture. Now, it was once a certain man called William Wilberforce stood up to slavery that society's values were challenged. Certainly, one can draw much inspiration from him. William's father passed away when he was eight. He was separated from his mother not much later and lived with his aunt and uncle. His grandparents died in the late 1770s when he was little older than 17. Yet despite the burden of death on his shoulders, he managed to lead the country away from slavery. He had to carry death and rejection on his shoulders, but yet he achieved a major turning point in British history. So I asked myself, why should I care about Anne Boleyn when there are men who have done far greater achievements? Unless I didn't study history very well, a possibility. I don't recall this lady saving many people from death, torture, pain, humiliation, separation, or rejection. Of course, that isn't to say that Wilberforce was a good man, for there is only one person who is good. Wilberforce recognized this as an evangelical Christian. He knew that Jesus was the only one, is the only one, who is good. We can draw many similarities between Wilberforce and Christ. The list goes on and on. However, they're both recognized for saving people from slavery. While human slavery is on a much smaller scale than, say, 300 years ago, there is an altogether different type of slavery that we are all under, one which we choose to put upon ourselves. Some of you might be thinking, what on earth is this kid talking about? Some might be thinking about being married. However, it's the entrapment of our souls that I am talking about. Paul highlights this problem in Galatians 4. However, I'm not going to read this passage again. It'd be far too simple. Apparently, I've got to do a better job than that. I'm going to split up this passage into four points, all beginning with the letter F, so it's easy to remember. First point is family. Being a part of a family is something truly special, whether it is our blood relatives or relatives through blood poured out for us. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Scholars have argued over this verse for donkey's years. Some think it's there to abolish gender distinction so that men and women are treated the same. Others think that is emphasizing that anyone can receive salvation, 
make what you will of it. But either way, it means we are all one big family unit. When I lived at my parents' house, more often than not, my mum had to do certain things for me, um, such as wash my clothes, cook my food. I popped my clothes into the wash basket and 48 hours later they'd be cleaned, ironed up and folded on the edge of my bed. The problem with that is I didn't realise what a privilege it all was that I had this all done for me, certainly not until I moved out anyway. I assumed that as mum did all the house chores, you know, it wouldn't be a problem. I mean, you know, not that needy. 21st century chauvinistic teenager I was. It was only after I moved out that there weren't magic fairies that helped mum with the cooking or house gremlins that did the ironing. That was a bit of a shock to the system, admittedly. Apparently you can't find those on eBay anymore. How enough was I supposed to look after myself? Fortunately, this is where Jenny came in and showed me how to do all these things. So now I'm a bit more useful when it comes around the house. My clothes are well ironed and food is on the menu now. It's taken about a year to do that. So a real change in attitude is certainly evident, though I do profess Jenny does still wash my bed sheets. This brings me on to my next point perfectly, freebies. If you look at Galatians 4, verses 1 to 4, it speaks at first of being a slave to your elders until your father said you were ready. A rather Jewish ideal, however, it goes on then to say that when the time was right, God sent his son onto this earth to redeem those under law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. I should say that it doesn't mean that only men can receive salvation. If I said that, I won't make for much of a good minister. To understand what this is actually saying, we need to put this into context. During the time the Bible was written, you could only be adopted into a family if you were a male. Now, once you were adapted, um, once you were adopted you would be an heir, and you would also have a share in the family inheritance. It is further stated in verse 7, and since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. So ladies, don't worry, you've still got that mansion waiting for you in heaven. Now, I need you all to cast your mind back to a time when you weren't sons and daughters of God. For some, it would be a longer time ago than others. Others it might, might not remember at all. They may have made their decision to follow Christ from a very young age. Just try and think of a time when you felt far away from God. There might be some people here today who haven't come to Christ. You know, that's fine as well. We're not going to leave you out. Try and think of a time when everything just seemed to be going wrong. It can be trivial or it could be a really rough time in your life. What I want you all to do is think about what you were like, what you felt like at the time. What emotions did you have running through you? Despair? Anger? Solitude? While you mull over this part of your life, I'm going to read out Romans 7, verses 20 to 25, a fairly famous verses. 
you want to close your eyes, you're more than welcome to. It may help you. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's important to understand that while we may be saints, we are also sinners. This isn't me standing on a high platform wearing my own clothes of righteousness, saying how you are all terrible people, because I am just the same as you. I try to live a holy life to witness to the public as well as possible, but I inevitably stumble. As the passage so magnificently says, we try to do good, but the evilness, this evil just will not leave us. We can starve ourselves, hurt ourselves, but we keep on falling back to our old ways. Do we allow this to happen? Are we too weak to resist the devil's temptation? I tell you this, yes we are. We are far too weak. If we fight this war by ourselves against the devil, we will stumble again and again and again. My apologies for not cheering you up very well. Allow me one moment to put smiles back on your faces. What would you prefer, one of my jokes or some encouraging words? Well, actually, they're kind of the same thing. Um, If you're ever unhappy, think of a T-Rex trying to pick up a hat. So we're currently stuck in a rut. We're heirs to a magnificent home in heaven. But yet, we continually deny God. We allow all of this to happen. We don't deny God purposefully, yet the sin weighs on us. How can we be free, but yet continually go back to the chains of slavery. We will look at this in the next point, which is titled Falling Back. So we've had family, we've had freebies, and now we've got falling back. Let us go back to Galatians again, enough about Tyrannosaurus Rexes. When Paul was writing this letter to the Galatians, he was writing it with a matter of some concern. He found out that the Galatians weren't behaving as they should be, So he decided to send back a strongly worded letter. But now that you know God, or are rather known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? It also says, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed. This is a man who is crying out for a change in the Galatians' attitudes. 
Before Paul came to Galatia, paganism was rife. People worshipped false gods, followed foolish laws, and practiced rituals. However, once Paul had converted a large number of pagans to Christianity, he moved on, but kept in contact with some of the newly converted. Perhaps it was a bad idea for Paul to leave so soon, as the Christians, the newborn Christians, struggled without him. He can see the pitfalls the men are falling into, and he's desperately trying to get them to focus on the Christian lifestyle rather than falling back onto all old customs, as shown in the first chapter of Galatians. Now we come to our fourth and final point, free, or freedom. While it is easy to recognize that being free is a far greater ideal than being a slave, one can understand why the Galatians went back to their old ways. In slavery, you know what you are expected to do, and for them, it was being familiar with the Jewish law. Now, that isn't to say slavery is right, It is a horrendous crime against humanity. It destroys families, gives unnatural power to those who possess the slaves, and takes away joy, which we all have a right to have. However, the Galatians didn't see it like that. Verses 15 and 16 say, What has happened to all your joy? Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? As if to say, do you not want to be set free? Do you want to be unhappy? As I said earlier, it is easy to choose freedom over slavery. But what bearing does this have on us? What we must not do is look inwards and do what makes us feel comfortable. We should be looking outwards and looking to serving God and the society we live in. We must be zealous for righteousness and truth, not just for now, but for always. In today's society, where we are being challenged left, right and centre about whether the Bible is the truth, we must be firm in our beliefs. We must also react through action, for words alone will not change society. Prayer is a powerful tool we have. Pray for those who are holding your faith back, for those who are leading you forward also. We should also react to them through love. We're living in a society nowadays where anything providing it doesn't challenge the basic morals, the the Fred Bears, anything goes. We need to be standing up to them and saying, where does the buck stop? Where, where is the righteousness? Philippians 2.15 says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. We must not hide in the darkness, but rather we should be like stars in the universe, shining and being that light 
in the darkness as Christ was. You cannot shine the light when you are hidden in the fragility of the darkness. You cannot shine the light when you are not being around them, when you are not being around the darkness. It is also important that we reach out to those who are in need. As our chains have been removed from us, we must help others live a free life. We must help to remove their chains to live a holy life. Let us go back to our four points before we end. We have family, freebies, falling back, and freedom. William Wilberforce will always be known as a man who freed millions of slaves. However, the greatest deed he ever did was to be obedient to God. If he didn't do that, the task of freeing the slaves would have been all the more difficult. Without a doubt, Wilberforce did great things. However, all the glory is God's. All the glory should be God's. Remembering the background Wilberforce had, rejection, separation, death, we can take great heart. God can use each of us, young or old, strong or weak, and with him we can break the chains of bondage on our lives and on others, our friends, our families, and our community and society.